Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Page One Podcast. I'm Tarek. I'm Marco. And yes, welcome to our 60th episode. 60 episodes. Yeah, another milestone. We'd be getting a free bus pass. And a COVID jab. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, uh, yeah, hope you're all doing well. Uh, It is February now, out out of the cold month of January into... What appears to be the even colder month of February. Yeah, because it's rained pretty much the last two weeks solid, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a snow warning yeah. for the next three days as well. Fantastic. So, yeah. Just stay inside and listen to podcasts. That's exactly, exactly. We'll, we'll distract you for at least an hour on this podcast. So um, if this is your first uh, visit to the Page One podcast, thanks for joining us. Uh, at the podcast, we like to speak to writers of all kinds about the writing process, how they broke into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. Uh, We have got a big back catalogue of some great guests from authors to screenwriters to comic writers to journalists to comedians. So uh, do check out the past episodes as well. I'm sure there'll be someone that you're interested in listening to. But we've got another great guest this week. We do indeed. This week we are chatting with multi-award winning author Mary Hanna. Uh, she is a, previously was a probation officer and her partner is a detective. So it's a murder real, detective, murder detective, not just any detective. Yes. A real kind of crime household right there. And yeah. she channeled that into a number of books, Kate Daniels, as well as the Ryan and O'Neill crime series and the Stone and Oliver series. They're all crime novel series. She's done a really good job with them. They've won a whole bunch of awards. They've been turned into TV shows. Well, it's... yeah, Kate Downs, I was about to say, is, is about to be turned into a TV show with yeah. Stephen Fry's production company, I think. Very exciting. Yeah. And it's a really great chat we have with her. She started off in the screenwriting world and then moved into the novel world. Mm-hmm. And it's a jump we've seen a few folk make. And yeah, really interesting the journey she had in terms of publishing because she almost got published by a small local publisher but then that fell through at the last minute and then she got her new agent and went on to this great success and you you know we talk about you know what would have happened if that small local publisher had published that first book (laughs) you know the path might have been entirely different so i know it's quite nice to see that you know no matter how low you get at some point you think it's all come crashing down sometimes it's for a reason and you just don't know where it's going to take you exactly so yeah it's a really uh, Interesting and uh, inspiring chat, I think, with Mary. So uh, we'll get on with the podcast after a quick advert for our writer's notebook, the page one notebook, and then we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to let you know about next week's guest, who is another exciting guest. Very exciting. But for now, on with the podcast. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. 
As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy to use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. I understand that you were previously a probation officer. Did you always harbour ambitions to be a writer or was that something that just came to you after that? No, I didn't. Um, I know that a lot of writers will tell you that they've wanted to be a writer since they were five years old, but it didn't happen like that for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was uh, not by design, I should say, that I went to to work one day as a probation officer, as you said, and... um, and it was a day that I was unaware that it was going to change my life. So um, actually, uh, I was assaulted at work that day. A couple of operations later, I um, I was let go on a medical pension and thought, what on earth am I going to do? I'm far too young to be retired. And um, whilst, uh, you know, I, I didn't harbour those ambitions or aspirations to become a writer um, so early, um, it was the thing I went to. I used to love to read, mm-hmm. um, particularly crime fiction. And obviously with my background, you know, that was what I knew best. Um, you know, so uh, it was not a, a great leap for me to decide which genre I was going to go into or anything like that. Uh, but it was it was sort of the mid-90s and I had a kid at university and I was just like, Oof, what am I going to do now? Um my partner is a was a, a murder detective at the time. I spent a lot of time on my own, and I just thought, you know, for my own pleasure, I just wanted to amuse myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started with a short story that ended up to be a very long story. And then there's even a longer story to get me to where I am now because um, I kind of went round the houses. I wasn't sure that I would uh, that I could write a book, um, and I went into screenwriting for a mm-hmm. while. Um, so so kind of you know as I say it was quite a long journey to come to where I am um but I I was reading I was reading about that actually that you you had um sort of pitched a series to BBC and 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 done a bit of screenwriting um and then that became the or the story that you were working on there then became the murder war is that is that right yeah, I mean, um, I, first of all, I pitched to a, um, an organisation called Northern Film and Media and I pitched the idea to them um, just to see if I could get on a writing course of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, I'd met a screenwriter who said, if you're struggling with prose, why don't you try writing uh, you know, a screenplay? And I knew nothing. I had absolutely no idea how to do that. But mm-hmm. she said, oh, 
I'll give you some pointers. I'll um, I'll set you on your way, and you you know you can teach yourself how to do this. So when I pitched to Northern Flamer Media, they were they said, "Wow, that's great," you know. But uh, what we are after is we're after someone who will write a feature. And I thought, oh hell! So off the top of my head, um, and and to do actually with the writer, the the screenwriter that I've just told you about um i'd met her on a bus on the way to newcastle united match <laughs> and, I, and it was bizarre really the way it it worked out but uh, so here i was in this in this um room having this interview and i thought well, I'll, I'll just pitch an idea about football um and um and a rom-com just came out of my head it was ridiculous <laughs> i don't know why don't ask me why it was the most ridiculous thing um, so I so I made this rabid female fo- uh, football fan, a woman called Jackie Milburn, who I'm sure you've all heard of, um, who was a, a, a you know Newcastle United hero in his day, and the guy at the end of it said, um, "Oh wow, that sounds brilliant." <laughs> you're in. And I was like, oh my God. I, first of all, I was going, yes. And then I was going, no, no, I can't be funny. You know, I can't be funny for a whole. So, so I ended up um, on, on that scheme and I, t- it, it was nearly four years, wow. um, you know, because he was based in London. He used to come up to Newcastle and, and give us one-to-ones and also group tuition. Um, and so I, I got involved with this and it just went on and on and on. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was brilliant, brilliant fun. Um, uh, I still got the screenplay. I haven't done anything with it um, <laughs> because just after that finished, again, via Northern Former Media, the BBC had a drama development scheme. And this guy had been so chuffed with my pitch, the first guy, that when I thought, well, this was for a, for a drama development scheme to create a pilot, a crime pilot. And I thought, right, well, I'll have a second go. So I went along and the BBC really loved it. Um, and um, and I got on that scheme. And from there, it was just amazing because they gave me a mentor who was absolutely brilliant, local writer, so I was able to meet with him. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, before he would allow me to write the first line of my screenplay, he said, you know, I want you to sit down I want you to think about Kate I want you to write about Kate so that when you come to write you know absolutely everything there is to know about her give her a backstory give her a life um so so I did that and you know it was really really helpful I would advise anyone who's wanting to write a book to get really into their character before they start and then obviously in the process of writing there was, um, you know, this guy was teaching me about pace and tension and, you know, how to slow it down. Because he said, you write at 100 miles an hour, Murray, you need to sort of let your viewer um, just settle into the story and have those quiet moments. And it was absolutely brilliant. It was, it was just so good. Um, and when I'd finished, the BBC didn't commission anyone from that scheme. But oh, wow. I'd done such a lot of work on it. I just thought... Maybe now I can adapt this into yeah. a book. And um, that's how it kind of all started for me. So do you think, was it important for you then to have done that course and to have spent that time learning the craft of screenwriting to then be able to take that and kind of do the pivot into in, in, into novel writing? 
well, you know what, Tarika, I hadn't a clue what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> like most writers, I didn't know what I, I was doing. And I was, I loved screenwriting, I have to say, and it was my first love. But I, and, and for a while I had like, I had my feet in both camps. So I was writing, um, I, I wrote the second um, Kate Daniels as a screenplay as well. So it was the okay. first two books that ended up as an adaptation. But it was definitely an amazing, you know, sort of um, way to get into it because I was thinking very visually. Yeah. You know, um, I needed to get my dialogue really clipped, really, really tight, um, and and that was it. Was it was it was the school of you know me learning my my lines, if you like. I mean, and also with writing screenplays as well, they always say you know every scene needs to be there for a purpose and things like that Absolutely. so all of that sort of stuff put into book form as well will obviously help the books in terms That's of their right. pace I mean, and you, you just can't write a chapter and just meander along mm. with no purpose and it needs to have it needs to drive that story forward and um and you know for me uh it was the best best teaching uh, method to do that mm-hmm. i'm really pleased that i did that for all it took me several years um, to get to the point where I was sitting down writing a book. And when I did write the book, actually, I found the internal dialogue of Kate very difficult. Right. Because, you know, uh, you know, when you write a screenplay, you know, it's, it's as you know, it's all action and yeah. dialogue. And there is no thought. Um, so I find that really, really difficult. But I'm, I'm, you know, better now. But having, you know, thought about that a lot, I think, you know, it, it helped me to sort of cut out anything that that was superfluous yeah mm-hmm. yeah and once you'd once you'd written um the murder wall and and you said that you had the script for settled blood which was the sequel and you kind of and and, and am i right in saying that you then you then wrote both those books and I then did. and then and before the first one was even out there yes i was pitching to agents um and not getting very far um i just continued to write and write and write and then eventually I, a, a local um, publisher came forward and said, let's chat. And I went down to my local pub and we had a chat and he said, yeah, I really want to, I want to do this. And um, which I was like, <laughs> was hardly, you know, it, as usual, there was hardly any advance. There was an advance, but um, it wasn't a big one. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But I was so keen to get my book out there. I wanted people to read it. And um, unfortunately that didn't happen. Because um, it, although it had been chosen for something called Read Regional, which is a, a local um, scheme that, that is run by Nor- um, New Writing North, who support local writers, it had been chosen for that. We had book cover, we'd had an edit, we were got really close. I mean, it was on fantastic fiction, it was all over the place. Right. My friends, my family all knew that it was going to go. And then suddenly I got the idea that, oh, this is, this, there's something wrong. And I rang him up and, and he said, I'm really sorry, but we've had so many returns and da and da and da. I'm not going to be able to publish your book in the time, oh you know. Yeah. From the and I said, well, when were you going to tell me this? Yeah. I was gutted. You yeah. can imagine. I was yeah. totally gutted. Um, and... Um, I I went to the uh, to uh, New Writing North and I said, this has happened. I know you've chosen my book, but there isn't going to be a book, a physical book. And they did say that they would do a short print run for that book. 
and um and I declined because I didn't I didn't want to to do that uh, but they were so so lovely and they said every year they go down to London and they do this sort of summer sort of, sort of soiree with um with publishers and with agents and they said look we're going tomorrow <laughs> we're going tomorrow <laughs> would you like to join us now all the writers that were going had had so many lessons on developing your elevator pitch and mm-hmm. God knows what. And I said, well, I'd love to. So I had literally about 12 hours to get myself prepared to meet them oh, at God. Newcastle Central Station. <laughs> I got on the train, they were all sitting there and I was sitting all on my own somewhere else because obviously their seats were all booked together. And um, I went to this thing and I had done my homework and I found, uh, and when Ollie Munson, who I, mentioned to you before um walked through the door he was the agent that that I most wanted to talk to Hmm. my recollection of that is that I ran up to him I kicked over a mojito on the floor (laughs) I I ran up to him and told him my very sad story that I was going to be published and with this that and the other and he said right okay send me the synopsis and the three chapters and uh I'll, I'll have a read so on the way home on the train, I sent them to him. By the time I got home, he was asking for the rest. Oh, and the it? next morning, he said, I was up till three o'clock this morning uh, reading your book. And, you know, and it, it sounds great. Um, and I'd had one or two sort of very close close contacts with other, with other uh, agents uh, uh, who had bowed out after reading the book. They had they'd liked it would I change this? Would I do that? Mm -hmm. And I had done. And I said, look, I've been here before, unless you, and I don't know where this came from because I'm not a a brave person. I said, look, unless you prefer, you're prepared to give me, um, you know, sign me up and represent me. um, I'll do all the work you like, but I need a contract. And he said, oh, no, no, absolutely. It'll be in the post tomorrow. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then you think, don't you? Uh, you think as a novice, as you know, I was very green. I, you think, that's it. I've got an agent. I'll have a publisher mm-hmm. in five minutes. Yeah. And uh, that wasn't how it happened at all. He was submitting and submitting. And we were getting fabulous feedback. But nobody would take the book. Um, and I was actually published in Germany before I was ever published in the UK, yeah. mm-hmm. which is unusual. Um, and people were saying lovely things. And, oh, you know, she's a strong writer, this, that, and the other. But I think Kate Daniels, uh, who, who was the, the um, character that I've been writing about for so many years, um, she, she's, a, she's a fantastic, clever detective who keeps her private life private and she has a girlfriend. And I think that publishers were shying away from that. They were like thinking, ooh. And I think if you if you perceive a risk, if publishers perceive a risk, it's easier for them to say no than yes. Yeah. yeah. But I was absolutely 100% wanted to write Kate. I thought at times I, I got, my head went down. I thought, oh, they're going to ask me to make Hank the DCI and Kate the you know yeah, the, yeah. the the DS and I and I just she was such a good character I just did not want her to be the add-on in somebody else's story I wanted her to be the main protagonist um, and I have to say that I used to I used to deny this but 
it was all she was sort of um based loosely on my partner who was in the police who didn't come out in the police when she was she was there um and I just wanted to hang on and I said to Ollie you know tell me if I'm wasting my time shall I just continue writing these books or or what he said just hang on I want you to be public I don't want you to go to a niche publisher I want you to have a big publisher mm-hmm. just be patient we'll get there duh. Uh, and eventually um Pan Macmillan came stuck their head over the parapet and they offered me a three book deal because they knew I had three books ready um and by which time the second book had uh, had uh, already got an award from um, a northern writers award at exactly the time that it was on the um commissioning editor's desk oh right very fortunate yeah. and, and also at the time when this particular editor was going to um the Harrogate Crime Writing Festival, Seekson's Old Peculiar Crime Writing Festival. And I happened to see him across the room. I thought, he was talking to somebody and thought, shall I go over and introduce myself? Um, and the, the, my agent wasn't there, but the, the Carol Blake, I don't know if you've heard of her, she's dead now, but she was, I was sitting with her and she said, go on, get, get yourself over there and just introduce yourself nicely, just to, so that he sees who you are, because he's reading your book now. Uh, so I did. I went over and, and sort of introduced myself to Wayne Brooks and um, we got on like a house on fire. I politely, you know, said, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt and walked away. And within, I don't know, a week or so, he was offering me this three book deal, which was amazing. Amazing. And it's amazing. Am- as I stepped off the I stepped off the plane on the way home from Spain because I thought I just need a break. And um, I stepped off the plane. I just got on the metro. Um, which runs directly from uh, the airport in Newcastle into into the city, and um, I, I got the the text. I rang him back, and he said, "You've you've got a three book deal." I was like, "Yes, you know, <laughs> brilliant!" Uh, which was which was fantastic. So I, I was with them, I think, um, for eight books, and then I went to to Orion. Um, so uh, yes, yeah, so that's how it kind of all started, really. I mean, it's it's an, it's an incredible path that isn't it because obviously the books have also had massive success and been awarded prizes and stuff so first of all you know you wonder what it was that was holding people back given that they are such so well loved but also you know what would have happened do you think if that first publisher had actually published that first book it, it could be a completely different path that you were on it could, it could have been um I mean, as as awards go, I am just knocked out by how many awards Kate Daniels mm-hmm. series had. Um, you know, um, and the the last one for this book that that is coming that I'm publishing on on Thursday, uh, or the paperback is mm-hmm. publishing on Thursday. When it won the Capital Crime, I, I just thought I was dreaming. I thought this, <laughs> I can't believe this because uh, it has. It, it's it, you know I think it's five major awards now, which is mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and you know I have to say I did chuckle now and again that all of those publishers who turned me down <laughs> might be thinking, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but we'll see. Um, you don't you don't like to uh, to brag, but um, you know it. it it just shows you that that so many books that can win prizes can stay on people's slush pile forever yeah. or be turned down. Um, yeah. When I started off, I don't know about you, Tarek, but when I started off, um, 
I was sending the whole manuscript in an A4 sheets of manuscript. Oh, wow, yeah. When the manuscript came back, when the rejection letter came back, it came back with the whole manuscript. And there was this bloody awful thump when it landed <laughs> on, the, on the mat. You just knew what it was. <laughs> I mean, you just hear this noise and you just know and your heart would just sink. But, but yes, I think there, was, there were moments when I doubted myself. There are still moments I doubt myself, I have to say. I think most writers are like that. It doesn't matter where, yeah. how long you well, go on. I think that's right. We've, we've definitely chatted to a few authors, even you know, well, well, kind of established authors who have said they suffered from imposter syndrome and that kind of feeling of. Uh, oh, it never goes never, away. Never, I think that's right. And but but then, does it help? I mean, having that early validation of those awards that must have been a real kind of psychological boost to you when you first. But, yes, every away. every one that you get, you just it it just heightens your confidence it's I mean it's like getting I mean I've had some lovely wonderful reviews today for without a trace and uh, each one of those you just it gives you that confidence mm-hmm. yeah I'm I'm 50,000 into the next Kate Daniels now and um and getting that halfway through for, for the book before it's just a tremendous boost because you know when you're in the muddle in the middle as they call it when you think that your your idea is the biggest, most pants idea you've ever come across, yeah. um, you know, that that's when you just think to yourself, you know, is this ever going to work? Shall I start again? Shall I start yeah. something new? But you just have to push through, don't you? And um, and that's that's what it is. I think you do have the confidence that you can push through. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, and I never had that sort of second book pressure because I'd already written a second and a third yeah. book. It, it wasn't like getting your first book and then suddenly you've got to write a second book and that's like a big pressure yeah. because I'd already done it. Um, so anybody who's waiting, anybody who's waiting to, to get an agent or to get a publisher just needs to keep going and keep writing. And, you know, it, because it would have been easy just to go, oh, do you know what? I've had it now. I've tried. I can just, you know, I'll just give up. Uh, but... You know, and you know, there were moments when I thought, "Am I wasting my time?" But it turned out that I wasn't, and um, and and I, it's it's amazing, you know, to think that what's happened uh, since, you know, um, and the TV um, yeah. development with Sprout Pictures, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely ask you about that um, um, later later on. But and what what is your process then? I mean, you you said earlier on that that you know obviously writing the biography of your main character was a big thing do you do that for all the characters in all your new books do you do you go into the background of them before you then start writing the book not all but the main the main ones i normally do um you know the process i am a planner uh, and that was the way i was taught you know when i when i uh, started screenwriting that was the way i was taught um i need that destination in order to drive myself forward to the end I always know what the end is I don't know all of the bits in the middle I mean I I do it depends it depends on the complexity of the book how much I write down first it could be um you know I I don't know if you can see I've got a a murder wall behind me it could be (laughs) absolutely covered my murder wall it it covered in uh, in in little post-it notes that I can change around. I can also, you know, oh no, that needs to come after that. I might just do um, a type list of, of um, uh, plot points. 
I might write a much longer document, which, which, you know, is almost the book in, you know, briefly. I mean, some people say to me, well, why do you do that? Does that not stop the creative process? But of course it doesn't because you, when you're writing, it's evolving as you go yeah. along and you, you, there's no way that you, you know, I love that moment when, you're kind of halfway through and then suddenly an idea occurs to you and you think, wow, I can take it here. Mm-hmm. Where you could never have envisaged that at the beginning. Yeah. And uh, But then I've still got that sort of, you know, that, it's, I was going to say Skeleton Road, which is a Val McDermott title. Um, <laughs> you come back to, I've, I've got that sort of mainframe to yeah. come yeah. back to where I can um, join it all up. I don't, I think if I sat down like some writers do, on day one and just started to type, I would completely go off piece. I, I really need the structure of that. I know that I've got a story and I know that I can tell that story mm-hmm. uh, before I start. So, so that's it. And, you know, I mean, you know, the process is bum on seat, right every day. Mm-hmm. You know, once I'm into the zone, I'll, I don't like to stop. Mm-hmm. But of course, the more the more books that you've got out there, you, you're always plan. I always at three stages. I'm either promoting the one that just got out, I'm writing one, and I'm planning in my head at least yeah. the next one coming up. So, um, and then there are festivals and interviews like this and stuff like that. So there are always things that will distract you, but they're good distractions. Sometimes it's good just to actually remind yourself what your process is and why you yeah. do things the way you do them yeah. if, if that makes sense to you yeah and when you and when you are writing when you've when you've done your drafts etc you know i mean how how long do you because you've done a large number of books in quite a short number of years and and, and I, you know is your process quite quick in terms of from first draft to fit to kind of final draft is, do you go through quite a lot of drafts do you show it to people or is it it gets shorter and shorter now, the more you write. Well, Mo is my first reader, but I am um, I edit as I go. Right. So that by the time I get to the end, I'm actually almost ready to show it to my agent. Okay. And a lot of people do the dirty draft and then go back to the beginning mm. and start again, don't they? Yeah. But I, I can't do that. My my brain is, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm far too tidy, if you like. I can't. I can't seem to move on with the script until mm. I know what's behind me or works. So there are three points at which I know I've got a book. And, and the first the first one is when I've done all of the setup. And I read, so I've done, done about 30,000 words or so. And then I will stop and I'll read that through and I make sure that it absolutely is how it should be. Then I'll do the, the development in the middle. And then I read it again. And then I carry on to the end and that's usually a, a quick push because I absolutely know that my story works mm-hmm. um you know um so and, but but you know even though I do that and I edit it as I go there are huge edits to come afterwards and, and you know that's the start of your journey when when you've got when you've got the publisher and you've got the editor isn't it it's the start of your journey they're giving you notes you work on those, you've got the structural edit, you've got the line edit, you've got the proofreading. And all of those things are really important. And that was, I, I love that collaboration, actually. And sometimes when you get notes, you kind of stamp your feet and go, no, yeah, 
no, you're <laughs> usually right. When, when you've had time just to, you know, sort of sit there with your arms crossed and a cross face, um, it, you actually realise that actually they are right mm-hmm. um, in most cases. Um, when I started off, I didn't have the confidence to argue. Now, if I think something absolutely must be there, because you, what you have to remember, and I think what most people need to, to know is that the editor is reading the book that they're reading. They don't know what is in your head for the next one coming up. And what you write in the book that you're writing now is sometimes connected to the next one. And sometimes, you, you yeah. know, I, I've had discussions with my editor. She's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'll say, but you, do, you don't know this. And once you explain and you fight your corner, usually you win. So, so that we come to an agreement and uh, we work really, really well together. And, and I love her to bits. Um, you know, all of the editors that I've ever worked with, whether they be at Pam Macmillan or Orion, have been really superb. Um, I, I, I was going to ask about that actually because obviously when you're writing a series of books with one main character how how advanced are your thoughts in terms of where the character is going to go or are you focused just on that story and when you get to the next one you'll kind of advance that character as necessary but it's not something that you've got a sort of overall path for well I, well, I write three series uh, you probably mm-hmm. know um, so I've got the Kate Daniels series. I've got two that I've, I've written in the Ryan and O'Neill series, and I've got three, uh, f- soon to be four in July. There's another one coming out. So that would be four in the Stone and Oliver series. So th- uh, I'm flipping between Stone and Oliver and Kate at the moment. But in terms of story arc, I have, I have from book one with Kate, if we go back to Kate, bearing in mind we're talking about Kate, um, I never, I had... I, I had an arc loosely in my head, but not in terms of how many books that would last for. I didn't say, well, I'll, I'll set out to write six or eight. Um, I'll, you know, but I had certainly the the wish to drip feed her backstory as we went. Um, and, you know, if you'd read any of the earlier books, you would know that Kate has a girlfriend uh, who also works for the police who's criminal profiler and she uh, their relationship shall we put it this way has been on and off quite regularly um because Kate is so focused on her job she she kind of forgets that her private life's really important to her as well whilst she loves this woman desperately she's not you know she's not um she doesn't always put her first and that's created a lot of problems um and so I knew that I knew which way I was going with that relationship, and I knew where we were going to be. Um, but uh, but I hadn't. I've never ever put put a number on how many books mm-hmm. in the series I would write. But neither did I want to write only Kate. Yeah. Um, and when I um, it was just I was having a coffee with my partner over breakfast one morning and we were chatting and as she does so often she said something to me about some you know something that had happened in the police and suddenly I'd said stop you know I I, I want to go and write that down and I came upstairs and that was the very I, I wrote the first chapter of 
the Ryan O'Neill series, because in my head I knew that the idea that I had would not fit with Kate. Right. Now I had no idea whether or not that book would ever get published, but I wanted to write it down. And as soon as I finished the, the Kate book that I was then writing, I started to write this book. I didn't tell my agent. I didn't tell my publisher. I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And then I sent it to my agent and I said, you may or may not like this. Have a, have a read. And he absolutely adored it and sent it off to Pam Macmillan. And I thought, and he, he warned me. He said, I, I warn you now that, you know, they might say no because they want you to sort of get really into this series that you're writing with Kate. Um, they might not want you to sort of deviate at this point mm-hmm. in time. But again, it was a yes. And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll publish that. And from there, the, the Americans wanted to. And so I wrote another one. And so so I love, I mean, first of all, I feel so grateful and so thrilled to be able to do what I want to do for a living. But also I love the fact that, you know, this work has taken me in different directions. Um, well, it, that, that's important for me. I mean, it is something that, that especially when we've actually spoken to crime writers in particular, actually, that it, it's more in, in terms of our past conversations, it's more been about like changing genre can be difficult because, um, you know, the publishers have a certain expectation and want you to continue writing in that, in that genre. But I suppose the same is exactly true for characters. As you say, if you're writing a successful character, it must be difficult for them to go to them and say, actually, I want to write about someone completely different that does this. It, I can see that there might be pushback on that sometimes. Well, yes, and, and when I changed publisher to Orion, they wanted me to write something new. So there I was faced with a whole backlist of Kate Daniels and uh, and um, Ryan and O'Neill. And they were asking to write a new, a new mm-hmm. um, set of characters, which I said, I'm absolutely... I absolutely will do that, um, and I look forward to doing that. And and I had the meeting, came home, thought about it, wrote three synopses, hoping that they would like one of them. Uh, and they they kind of they were quite interested in me writing a uh, you know a duo rather than one mm-hmm. main character. Although you know Kate has Hank, um, Ryan has O'Neill. You know yeah. it, it goes like that, and you need somebody to to sort of feed you the lines, don't you? Um, but, um, and I said, the only thing is that, you know, that I, I really don't want to leave everything behind that I've already done. And they said, no, 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 we will. We will. If you want to write Kate in the future, that's absolutely fine. But we'd like you to get your feet under the table with this new series, which, you know, which is what I did. So I gave them the three synopsis, um, hoping that they would like one of them. And they gave me a three book deal and said, we love all three. We want you to write all three, which I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, so um, that's kind of how everything happened there and why there was a gap between Gallows Drop, which was Kate Daniels' book six, mm-hmm. and this one uh, that, that is um, is publishing paperback this week. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, let's let's have a, have a chat about that then because it's, it's called Without a Trace and it's out, as you say, paperback on Thursdays. An award winner in itself, uh, one of your many awards, the Capital Crime Book of the Year. Um, and and why don't you tell us a little bit, you know, what the book's about? Well, the book, um, because uh, <laughs> let's put it this way, readers were absolutely screaming at me, um, you know, 
when are we going to get Kate back? When are we, when are you, have you finished with Kate? And the emails that I've got and the DMs on Twitter and so on, <laughs> they were all desperate uh, to write it. I was desperate to write it because I want I, I missed Kate and I wanted to get back to her. Um, and also I was conscious of the fact that, you know, I am in development for TV and they would expect other books, more books. Um, but uh, so this book actually... Um, starts literally hours after the book six finished because I left my readers on book six with a real cliffhanger. Or as somebody has dubbed this week in the Diva magazine, they call me cliffhanger. Um, so, so yeah, so, so there was this cliffhanger and Kate literally gets in her car, drives down to London and tries to blag her way into the Metropolitan Police Casualty Bureau without any authority to do so. And, uh, you know, it's completely outside of her jurisdiction. And this is because a plane has gone missing um, about an hour out of New York en route from Heathrow to New York. And guess who's on board? Um, so, so Joe, the, you know, she, she's telling them that, the, you know, their criminal profiler is on board and, you know, they want to offer all the help that they can. But actually, what is in her heart is, oh, my mm, God, yeah. is she dead, alive? What happened? I must, I must find out. Um, and that's how she sets off. Uh, so that's kind of part of the story. And it's it's uh, an international uh, thing. And she she so she's on this side of, of the world. And in New York, there is um, a formidable um, special agent in charge. Um, on in Homeland Security, who is in charge on the other side of the Atlantic, and yeah, they they eventually meet in the book. But um, I'm not going to tell you about that because they want everybody to read it. But but that's kind of it. And and Kate is putting herself really on the line. She's been told to get back to get her ass back to Newcastle and get on with her work. You know, for somebody who's protected her job for so, so mm. long, she um, she is prepared to throw everything away now. But that's how we are, isn't it? You know, we don't know what we've lost till we've lost it, you know, sort mm. of thing. Or we think we've lost it or what have you. And so, um, so yeah, that's how the, the book starts off. And um, a lot of the early chapters uh, are around Heathrow and, and you know, how how might um, a device, if it was a device, might have been secreted on board or what have you. So it was all of that. And, and that was quite quite something to, um, you know, to research. And, um, and I enjoyed doing it. It, it was, a, it, this book is, you might say, on a much larger canvas than, yeah. than a lot of the other books because of the storyline. I, I was going to ask about that because obviously you've, you've got... Um... Uh, you've also, got, in terms of uh, UK police procedure, you you you've got a, a handy source that that can give you the information. But when it's when it's set more uh, international, did that require more research? Did you have a contact that you spoke to, or did you just research it yourself? How, how did that work? No, I did it myself, but I didn't manage to get to New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, Mo is 
definitely the go-to person for police procedure at this end. Mm-hmm. And of course, of my own my own um, experience of police and courts and offenders and how they talk and how they mm-hmm. act and how they react. Um, and so I, I've got a lot of that. And I, because I've been with Mo for such such a long time, I hear their voices. I, they have been my friends for years and years and years. So mm-hmm. I know that police dialogue is... It's, I'm not saying it's easy for me. It's not easy for anyone. Mm-hmm. But um, but certainly, you know, having that insight does help, and having her as a first reader does help. Yeah. Uh, the the American side of it, I I just have to dig in and 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 research it myself. Um, and, and and where do you get all the all the ideas from? You know, you've you've written so many books in such a short time. Um, and you kind of mentioned that sometimes it's like a snatch of dialogue that someone says to you that sparks something. And and is that it's a, is that how it tends to work for you? Is it kind of like an out of the blue bolt and you have to get it done quickly? Or is, or is it researched and piecing things together? Um, it, it kind of depends. Um, Tarek, it's just, it's just one of those things that um, occasionally it is something that I see, something I read about, um, you know, something that Mo will say that, that I think, wow. Not many people would know that. And it might be like just that little tiny thing. One of the things I've set out to do with Kate is I wanted to make her a clever detective. I didn't want my stories to be solved with the modern technology. I yeah. wanted her to, to, to really investigate them, to actually have a... I, I'll throw the kitchen sink at her, I have to say. Um, but, you know, and she, she comes up every time, um, even though it's difficult and even though... You know, at times in the investigation, she hits a brick wall and it's back to square one. That is how police work. And that is how proper cases do. I mean, the difference between fiction and actually doing that kind of job, most type of job, my type of job, is that you can resolve the issue at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in real life, that's not always the case. Um, Cases go unsolved. Uh, People... Uh, you know, people go missing and they're never found. Um, so that's the beauty of of writing crime fiction is that you are going to bring resolution at the end, mm-hmm. um, mainly. And and I quite like to play with, um, in, in this book, uh, there is a character that comes back from a previous book. Um, uh, and he, he is an amazing character. I love him to bits. Um, and he's shall we put it this way, on the wrong side of the law. Uh, so that so that that was good to play with that. And I never thought when I wrote that um, character that I would bring him back. But um, I just thought, oh, well, this would be, this would work so well with this storyline. Um, so, yeah. So those are the things that you kind of, kind, kind of can't contemplate. Yeah. Because I thought, well, I, I need another character here. I need somebody who's going to somehow help Kate from the wrong side of the tracks and then I thought well oh who better to have than than this person um so I won't tell his name because that would give away (laughs) exactly you have to buy the book (laughs) but but it is sometimes it is you know and there's a lot of luck when you when you're writing I think you you know sometimes you just you come across something when I was writing I think it was my um I think it was my the, no, my fourth book, um, there was, uh, you know, it opens and there are skeletal remains found on Bambra Beach. Um, and as 
luck would have it, I was just cruising around on you know, Googling things on, you know, on the net. And I came across this thing where, you know, team time, you know, the, um, or time team. Oh, time team, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they were, they had actually excavated part of the beach. And so I was able to sort of bring in reality into the fiction. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and actually found further, when I looked further, that some years ago, historically, there were two young children found there, uh, which, which was quite something to, to look into mm-hmm. and to bring into, into, the, um, into the book. So yes, you, sometimes you just stumble across these things. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's great, isn't it? When when you when you do find something real that you can sort of kind of reference and stuff and bring it in, it, it no, no, it's, it, br- it, it's absolutely it brilliant. Makes the story come alive even more, I think. Mm. Um, and you said uh, earlier that obviously Kate Daniels is being turned into a TV series. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Well, it's been going on for several, several years. <laughs> and is there any update? Is there any update? And actually, there isn't. We are moving. We are moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been going on several years. Um, you know, I have been fully involved with Sprout Pictures, which has been perfect. Um, a lot of writers aren't. I know, you know, um, other writers who go, no, no, absolutely. I'm out, you know. I was asking Michael Connolly about this because I interviewed him a, a couple of weeks ago when his new book came out. Um, and, you know, and I said to him, how much of the credit can you take from from actually being there in that writer's room with the other writers? And he said, well, I wouldn't take the credit. But honestly, they've been so brilliant, um, you know. And, and I think uh, Lauren Bucher said, didn't she, mm-hmm. that, that she had a fantastic screenwriter and that that, that screenwriter was coming up with, with things that she thought, wow, I wish I'd thought yeah. of that. You know, so, so, so I think it's once you sign on, you know, you sign that contract, it's a big leap of faith and you think, you know, you just don't know, do you, until the cameras roll. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you sit down and you watch it all. Um, so that's also very, very exciting. I can't really tell you. I, I'm, you know, I'm sworn to secrecy to, te- to tell you anymore. Tell us. Yeah. But would you want to write screen? Would you want to write? The, you know, you said you started out in, in in screenplays, and that was your sort of first first love. Would you, would you want to go back to doing that? When I first got the t- telephone call, I thought one of my sons had put one of his friends um, up to ringing me. <laughs> That, you know, because the, all I heard was Stephen Fry's production company, and I went, "Yeah, Paul, bugger off!" <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't Paul, and it wasn't one of his friends either. It was um, a young agent that I'd never met who works uh, for the agency that I used to be with. What happened was, uh, I was with Blake Friedman. Um, Ollie was with Blake Friedman. When he moved, I moved with him. Mm-hmm. But my TV rights stayed with Blake Friedman. Right. And so it was a young guy from there. And I have literally, I honestly thought it was a joke because my, my son does wind you up uh, in, <laughs> in that way. Um, and, um, but it wasn't. And then um, I went down to meet them. And one of the things, the first things he said to me was, I know you've written the script for uh, The Murder War, 
which is the first with the debut. Uh, but uh, they want to know, are you precious about writing the, the TV yourself? Mm-hmm. And, and I said no, for two reasons. First of all, I thought that would be silly because I think they would probably have said, okay, thanks, Yeah. bye. Yeah. Um, and for the other reason was that it is a very different medium and I wanted them to have a screenwriter, a, a real A-list screenwriter yeah. on it. Um, you know, so I can't tell you anything about the screenwriter um, at the moment. Um, there are discussions going on. Um, so, but, you know, it was one of those things that uh, here I had the script absolutely already written. And they were talking to me, uh, but but I have been involved in certainly um, the you know the, the screenwriter was writing a treatment. I was involved with that. It was I everything that was written was run by me. Yeah, it's um, nice because you do often hear people getting cut out of it. You know, it's, yeah, it's basically no, the author because no. they, they kind of hand over, over the work and the rights, and that's it. I I, th- I think that's true, and I think some writers actually want it that way. Yeah, I, I was quite happy to be involved, and so that in itself has been, you know, really good for me as well. I love all these new experiences that I get as I, you know, go along, and yeah, definitely, you know, that that that's what makes this job so exciting, really. I Is mean, they're med- exciting as in nice, exciting, and then there are <laughs> not so nice, exciting uh, things that happen to you. Um, but you know, you, you learn to to roll with the punches when it's it's not a good thing, like the uh, you know experience that I had with the first publisher. Who, yeah, who yeah, came exactly. Me. Is there a nervousness to see your work being turned into into screen? You know, without you having a control of it, or is there? It's quite exciting to be kind of liberated and and let someone else take the wheel for a little bit. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, yeah, that you are a bit nervous. You're bound to be uh, because you want. Um, I, I, the thing, the way I look at it is that the stories are going to change. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. The stories will change, but as long as they are true to Kate Daniels, I would be more than happy, um, and I am more than happy. Excellent. Nice. I suppose that's probably quite a pragmatic approach to take, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That the whole kind of script writing world, world TV and film is is their area, and as, uh, uh, you know, it's. I think we've all seen stuff where the. I think was it was it the Stephen King Shining stuff, and he hated the adaption of the Shining, and, mm-hmm. and did his own one, and it's pretty much panned. You know, and it's it's difficult to know. You need to let stand step back and let the people who know that area. Yeah, what, what works in one medium to, doesn't. Yeah, trust people, don't mm-hmm. you? Have to trust. Yeah, people exactly. To their job exactly. and to know how to do it. And I know that, um, you know, there are a couple of instances that I know of where people haven't been happy, um, you know, where they turned a character. Um, I think uh, Linda LaPlante had something to say about her character at one point and what they did with her on television was not mm-hmm. her liking. Mm-hmm. And I think P.D. James, actually, a long time ago, um, she, you know, she she wrote a female character who... Um, and, and the person who was playing that female character became pregnant. And um, I don't think P.D. James was very happy that they were going to write that into the storyline. And she didn't write any more of that series. Right. That <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, her, her other series, the, the male uh, series of Adam Dalbleach, mm-hmm. was, was wonderful, I thought. But, but she absolutely would not have it. And she didn't write any more. That's interesting. 
So, so yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Excellent. Well, so so we've we've hopefully got that coming in the future. Uh, Without a trace yeah. is out on Thursday as we record this podcast uh, in paperback. Um, w- what is next in the pipeline? Are you you said you were working on on something at the moment. Yeah, well, Without a Trace is book 12, and book 13 is A Stone and Oliver, which is coming out in July right. this year. Excellent. Um, the reason why there's this very small gap is because Without a Trace paperback should have been out in July this mm-hmm. year, uh, last year, but because of the pandemic, yeah. it was back. Unfortunately, and, you know, benefit of hindsight and all that, uh, in July, we weren't locked down and now we are. So um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. tomorrow's launch, um, you know, can't can't have people. Um, and I was going to do it with an ITV presenter at, from Forum Bookshops, uh, which is my local independent bookshop. Um, but in view of last night, uh, you know, the, the announcement last night by the Prime Minister, then that is also scuppered and will probably uh, now... I'll be doing it as I'm doing it with you now yeah. Um, yeah. online. And, um, you know, Ian Payne, who will be in the chair, who is a, a real pro, uh, used to interviewing people, he being his home, hmm. um, and, which is only right, you know, under the same. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I mean, it must be a real, we've chatted to a few others on, on this topic. It's hard not to ask the question, you know, right now but I mean yeah I, I mean I assume it has been very very difficult trying to release a book in the pandemic especially one where that you had you're going one way tomorrow and now the it's changed at the last minute and Absolutely. it's just another wrinkle that you have to deal with it must be very difficult yes and you have big plans for every book that you bring out yeah you know and unfortunately um my mother died in April and the height of the first lockdown mm. I couldn't read or write for absolutely ages, uh, mm-hmm. but I'd already written the um, the Stone and Oliver uh, book that's coming out in July, fortunately, um, and I have been able to since. I, I kind of got over the trauma of not seeing her for six weeks before mm-hmm. she died. Um, I've been able to sit down and, and edit that book, and the one I'm writing now it is another Kate Daniels, so I'm kind of halfway through that one. So I've only got the proof pages, the last stand, as I always call it, to come back on the on the Stone and Oliver um, book, which is called The Deep and is set around uh, Kielderwater. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is um, a, a wonderful reservoir not far from here. Um, so, yeah. So, What was the last book that you read? Uh, the Law of Innocence uh, by Michael Connolly, because right. I was interviewing him. He was in his home in LA and I was here um, at the Forum Bookshop. Um, and so I read that one. But I have to say that I read and listened to a lot of his titles mm-hmm. uh, before I interviewed him. And, uh, you know, I've, I have read them all. I love it. And I had to, over that over that t- talk that we had, I had to um, hold my hands up and say I'd never seen the TV. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, it's it's on Prime, and I don't know whether you've seen it, but apparently it is marvelous. And last year I was the Harrogate chair, and um, I was also the reader in residence. And I, one of the, the my last um, year as reader in residence, I took 
Michael Connolly's debut out to, to libraries. Um, so that was the Black Echo. So I've been with Michael all his career. <laughs> it was just a joy. I could have spoken to him for three hours. He was just amazing, um, really? you know, and has been a great inspiration to so many writers. Yeah. Um, you no, know. It's funny, I've, I've not watched a TV show. I've actually not read any of his books, but I keep, he's, he's a kind <laughs> of author that I keep seeing and I keep thinking I need to sit down and read some of his books one oh day. Oh my god. I honestly. The Lincoln Lawyer, the movie, which I've very much enjoyed, but yeah. I've not read that either. Yeah. Well the Law of Innocence is um Mickey Heller as well. So Oh is it okay? Yeah. Uh that was a that was a good book. But I like the way um Michael in one way I'm doing what Michael did, which was switch in between series. Yeah, definitely. Um having characters appear in other series. Mm-hmm. Um and that and that's uh, that's a new thing for me and, and I'm really enjoying doing that bringing other people in especially in the books that I'm writing now I haven't told my editor that yet so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll find out <laughs> and uh what about the last film that you watched oh the last mm, what was I watching mm. in the cinema do you mean no or, or on Netflix or whatever oh I think it was um it was the young Superman or something. I can't remember what it's called now. Do you remember? Um, do you know? I don't know if you know that. What, the Lois and Clark one? Uh, it, it was very young. Very, very young. I can't, I can't remember what it's called. I'm terrible for... Okay. I'm, 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 was it a film or a series? Film. Film, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm intrigued by what this could be now. <laughs> no, I know. Young Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Need to look into that. Um, and uh, what? Well, do you know what? Can you remember what the last TV show or series that you you watched or are watching? I was watching Spiral this week. Oh, excellent! Which yeah. restarted, which I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, it's one of those things that that I, I religiously watched and I love. Um, and it doesn't seem to matter to me that they are. I can't speak French. Um, you know, it, it, it. I, I, I love the character. I love the. Um, you know the trauma that goes on between mm-hmm. her and and one of the other characters. Um, so yeah, I've I've enjoyed that. Watched the I think it was on. I think it might have been. Is what is today Tuesday? Was it? I, my, <laughs> was I it a couple of nights ago or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And that was a double a double sort of the the first and second mm-hmm. series one after the other. I, I'm terrible for now. I can't. If a series is being released in piecemeal like that, I, I, I don't like it anymore. I want, I wait until it's all finished so I can then binge on it. But by that you time, it's been spoiled. Down. It's spoiled really by everyone. Down. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I was thinking, did I watch a young Superman? Have I dreamt that? <laughs> I have no idea. I've been, you know, at the moment, I am so head down. I am so focused on this book that I'm writing. I haven't been actually watching a lot of televisions <laughs> or films. That's and um, although I do love to do that in the evening when I've been, you know, writing all day, but you know, once once my head is in it, I just I just need I I, I tend not to do that. I tend to sort of sit and do a crossword puzzle and catch up on the papers and yeah. try to ignore the news at the mm. minute. And, yeah, that's <laughs> very always a good wise. idea. <laughs> Uh, and the the very very last thing we do is a quick fire either or, and uh, there's no right or wrong answers apart from one. And the first one is Michael Connolly or Val McDermott. Michael Connolly. <laughs> Surprise, I would have guessed. <laughs> uh, uh, U.S. crime series or U.K. crime series? 
that's a hard one. I like both. Um, tend to say US and the loyal me says, you know. Um, no, I think we've had some, I think we'll, I'll go for UK. I'll, I'll hold my hand up okay. for UK because do you know what? We've had some good series lately. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah we have. That's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, TV or cinema? Cinema, if I can get there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> obviously we can't at the moment. But... Um, a fancy restaurant or a takeaway? Oh, restaurant for me every time. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, real book or ebook? Real book. Definitely real book. I'm afraid that was the one which counted and it was incorrect. <laughs> Very sorry, Mary. <laughs> it's been lovely chatting to you. You know, I, I've, it, it's really odd, isn't it? Because we, we read so differently now. And I have really, really got into audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. Especially yeah. if they are, you know, I, I, the voice has to be right. Yeah, that's right. But that's as long right. as the voice is right, I love I love listening to audiobooks because when you travel so much, um, you know, if I go from here to the coast, it takes me an hour and a half to get there, an hour and a half to get back. When I go up north in the coast, I can get to the, the like, local coast in 20 minutes, mm. but... So there's a three-hour journey, and uh, I really, I absolutely adore listening when I'm driving or mm. when I'm being driven. Yeah, no, I've got into audiobooks a lot in the last year, actually. With the, I think the, they're a they're yeah. big boom in mm-hmm. audiobooks at the moment. Yeah. Especially, I don't know that you can put it all down to the fact that we're currently going through this pandemic, mm-hmm. but certainly I felt, especially after my mum died, that I couldn't concentrate on the words, but mm-hmm. I could listen. Yeah, um, you know. So I think we're also getting quite spoiled with with audiobooks in terms of famous names, read autobiographies, and you're getting radio dramas and stuff. And they're, they're becoming it's so varied and yeah. wide. There's really and the podcasts that are going around. Podcasts, like, yeah, exactly. They're kind of fantastic. Spoken um, word is, is is really coming back strong. I think it mm-hmm. is. It is, and um, you know, and I think that's that's lovely because um, my when I'm when I'm writing, my my partner has her earphones in and she's listening to podcasts yeah. and I'm sure she'll listen to yours <laughs> excellent. to make sure that I didn't say anything <laughs> excellent that's a fine note to end on I said last week, if you were listening to last last week's episode, that we would change from the real book ebook question <laughs> because Tarek's favourite ebooks was getting beaten nearly every episode. But that's actually an early shout for our new category of audiobooks. Uh, there, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say to all the ebook fans out there, it's time to throw your weight completely behind audiobooks. But the but audiobooks the... are bust now. <laughs> That's it, the ebooks are dead to me. Buy buy audiobooks, short ebooks. <laughs> like yeah, GameStop. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got, I've got a lot of money writing on this. <laughs> so if everyone could go and buy a couple of audiobooks each, I'd really appreciate it. Um but I, yeah, and the other thing to clarify there, um Mary uh, emailed me after the recording of that episode to clarify that she, it wasn't a young Superman film that that she saw, which is why we couldn't work out what she was talking about. <laughs> it was, in fact, a spy, a Spider-Verse. A, what's it called? Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse, with Miles Morales on Netflix. That which is an absolutely fantastic It is. It's brilliant. Film. But no, it's, it's not definitely not Superman. No. We apologise for the uh, infringement of copyright. <laughs> 
But uh, thanks very much to Mary for for taking the time to talk to us. Really enjoyed that chat, and uh, yeah, just really inspiring, really to to hear about that journey that she's made. Um, and yeah. like I said at the start, you know, having having that fault that deal with the local publisher fall through at the very last minute must have been so disheartening. But yeah. you know, to pick yourself up from that and and get to where she's got now with you know award winning books and stuff is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And Without a Trace is out now and it is a fantastic read. And so anyone who's a fan of the series or who's new to the series, I recommend it highly. Yeah. And of course, go back to book one and read your whole way through. Exactly, exactly. And then as Mary said, her next book is coming out later this year as well. So yeah. lots to look forward to there. Um, as, of course, our listeners have lots to look forward to in next week's episode as well. <laughs> Seamless. Segue, Seem- yeah. You know. You've been practising. Professional. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, so who have we got on next week, Tarek? Next week we have a very special guest, Mr Nick Hornby, who I think probably needs very little introduction. Yeah, yeah, broke through many years ago, of course, with Fever Pitch and then followed that up with things like About a Boy, uh, High Fidelity, you know, all of which became, you know, great movies as well. So uh, we talked to him about those books, how, how he moved into writing the books but also he's more recently he's become a great screenwriter as well mm-hmm. yeah he's written a lot of uh, really interesting films wild uh reese witherspoon movie uh an education mm-hmm. uh, and most recently brooklyn which uh which won a whole bunch of awards back yeah. in 2015 yeah that's was, right was really yeah. really well well received and yeah it, it, he he tells us about you know writing in these different formats he has of course uh, gone back to the world of books as well recently and um, also tells us about a very exciting sound and TV project that he's working on at the moment. See no more, though. Exactly. We'll save that for next week's episode. So if you have enjoyed the episode, uh, if you could take a couple of seconds just to review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use, uh, leave a rating, leave a review. That would be awesome and really helps us climb the rankings. And, of course, anyone who wants to get in touch can send us an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk or they can send a tweet into the Twitter machine which is at right underscore gear yeah but otherwise have a great week and we'll be back next week see you later <laughs>